Hello, I'm Rebecca Horan and a very warm welcome to A Little Birdie Told Me, a podcast brought to you by Rollercoaster.ie. In this season, I will sit down and chat to 16 pretty interesting people to discuss pregnancy, parenting and everything in between. On this episode, I sit down with Sinead Hingston, who's a digital creator, photographer and a mum of three. Sinead and I discuss grief, pregnancy loss and her ectopic pregnancy. If you're affected by this, please seek support. I'm going to say this throughout the season um, of this podcast, but I absolutely mean it with all of my heart when I'm talk about this woman that has joined me today. Um, a very warm welcome to Sinead Hingston. You're going to make me cry already. No, I'm not. I'm not. Oh my gosh, the two of us are like an emotional <laughs> whirlwind. Sinead Hingston is a mother of three, um, a wife, but she's also a digital creator. She works full time and she's a photographer and has also started this incredible business, Spark a Life, which we will talk about as well. Um, but has just her finger in so many pies and is doing so much, I think, on her platform for other women. So welcome, Sinead. Thank you so much for having me. Sinead and I met only recently, but had discovered each other a long time ago. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But Sinead, in some kind of way, has kind of changed my um, had changed my last pregnancy and how I parent and, and so many things. She's very inspirational and <laughs> aspirational. And I hope you get... Um, a lot from this conversation today. Sinead, we're going to kick off a kind of uh, tricky point, but we have to do it in order to bring you to where you are now. We yeah. have to talk about it. Um, but your, you know, your life and you, you say it, you're a very open book. which My colourful journey. Yes. <laughs> and I think people really love that you're an open book. There's no, there's nothing hidden. You're very relatable. You're, you're accessible and people adore that about you. And it's, it's why you have such a big platform on Instagram. Um, but your life has taken a lot of turns hits. and yeah. hits and ups and downs. And you've weathered that so beautifully. Well, but you had the first I don't love know of, if everyone would well, agree with have, that. You have. <laughs> but you had a love of your life. I did. Um, you have a love of your life now and you have your three kids. But you yeah. started your life in your first marriage. Talk about that, man. Yeah. So Jeff and I met um, 2008 and had a very whirlwind relationship. Um, instantly fell in love with them. And yeah, we kind of moved in together very quickly and then we moved over to the UK. So he worked for Sky Sports um, and it was in the middle of the recession. We just decided, you know what, let's give this a go for a while. And in that two years, I just had the most incredible time in London, but also um, I suppose my life took so many turns. Um, we got engaged in 2009, married 2010, found out we were pregnant early in 2011 um, and then he unfortunately passed away very suddenly while we were on holidays in Portugal that July, so just seven months after we got married. Um, and I was four months pregnant with Lily at the time. So it was Okay, that's a lot. Huge. Um, yeah. How did you meet him? Um, so I used to work in a school as a Montessori assistant and I met his sister and I started babysitting her kids and he was over for the weekend to what go out. What age were you at this point? Oh God, was I 24? Five twenty six. So full of life, young, yeah. smart girl living in South Dublin. Oh, yeah. Meet this guy through someone. He's just so gorgeous to you. So it's very Instantly instant attraction. Oh, hundred percent. And I said to my friend the day after I met him, I was like, "I'm going to marry this man." She was like, wow. "Sure, yeah, okay." And was made. it as quick for him? Like, were you both just constantly with each other? It was a very intense relationship from the start. Yeah. So he was seven years older than me. So I think okay. he just knew 
instant. like he had said to me that he didn't want to mess around with relationships like he just he, he wasn't going to stay with somebody unless he felt that yeah. it was actually going to go somewhere going to go somewhere um so yeah he used to come over and surprise me all the time and just kind of land on my door separate flowers and he was just he was just one of life's good guys like why was he called Jeff the ref so he worked um when he started in Sky he was a runner for Sky so he got the teas and the coffees and you know did all that to begin with and he worked on Soccer AM as Jeff the ref so he ah. They did all these kind of games yes. and yeah, yeah, jokey yeah. things, and he was the referee, so they all called him. So he was a bit Jeff of a life in the soul, and oh, he was a messer, like total. And all the videos, like the Sky Boys, as we call them now, um, all of his friends over there made the most gorgeous video for Lily to have in yeah. a few years, um, of all the little clips of him yeah. working at Sky Sports. So it's all very special. But yeah, he was just a fun happy-go-lucky guy. Tall guy, you're kind very of petite, tall. you know, <laughs> yeah. very cute together. You could see yeah. there was a lot of passion. He was six, three. Yeah, three. he was tall. Yeah. And so you go to London, you follow your heart, you're young, there's nothing keeping you here and all is well there. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it's very different to Ireland. So I had never been away from home before, um, but he, he was amazing. We got a dog. We got a little husky called Kobe shortly after we moved over. Um, so yeah, it, it was... It was a lovely time and I had taken a couple of, I was working with the bank at the time and I took a two year career break. So it was all in this two years that all of this happened. You gave all of your heart to him. Oh, literally. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so he died on the 31st of July, 2011. Was he, um, was he a healthy man? Was oh, he, sorry, there was nothing wrong with him. Everything he was, was great. Absolutely this fine. This is a man who minds his health. Absolutely fine. Um, You've gotten married. You have a huge celebration. Yeah, and we were healthy in that because we were getting married and we'd yeah. kind of been eating well sure. and, you know, exercising. We were out walking all the time. Like, we were a pretty healthy couple. And then um, talk about the trip then. So you go on the trip, you're married, you're... Yeah, so we went with... Um, unfortunately, his mum had passed away in the January. We were on our honeymoon in the Maldives and we got the call seven days into the holiday that his mum had passed away suddenly. Um, so we came home from honeymoon and, you know, the start of our marriage was very sad, you know, because it say. was, you know, it was really sad. And he was the baby of the family and his, himself and his mum were really close. Were you back in Dublin? Uh, we No, we were, we were in London. But we came back to Dublin, obviously, for the funeral. And then it was funny the day, um, the day of her funeral, it wasn't funny, but part of the day was funny. We were standing at her grave and Jeff just decided to announce to her that we were going to start trying for a baby. So that's how, that's how that came about. And I was standing beside him going... Are we? Sorry? Okay. <laughs> um, so we kind of laughed about it saying, you know, that was the decision in front of in front of his mum that day that we were going to start trying. Um, and yeah, we got pregnant in... You wanted to have a baby quickly or...? Yeah, I think I was very ready. I mean, I worked with kids my whole life, so I wanted 25 children. Yeah. You know, I just wanted a big brood of kids yeah. always. Um, and yeah, we got pregnant in the March and... We had a very early scare, but it turns out it wasn't a scare. It was implantation bleeding, which sure I didn't have a clue back then. I was, yeah. you know, petrified of any little... Any little thing. Any little thing. Um, so, yeah, she... I Yeah, every... The breeziest pregnancy in the world. So, not sick. So, not pregnant, nothing. in full love with life. this man, yeah. full of life. You take a trip with family. So, we went over with my parents. My parents were already over there. Um, and we went over to see them. And his dad came with us because we just invited him along. Um... And yeah, we went the day we were there for a week, and then the parents were going home that day, and we were to stay on for another week just on our own, which this we is were Portugal, very much looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the Sunday that we were leaving, we went out on one of those organised boat trips. Um, and while the boat is is kind of still in the water, and the first load of people went into the caves, it was one of those um, through the caves 
off the Algarve coast trips. Um, the captain just said, look, anybody who wants to jump in for a swim, work away. So he wasn't going to go in and it was kind of me that went, oh, you'll regret it so much if you don't get in. Like, look where we are. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, he eventually got in and swam around fine for five or six minutes and I was taking photos. We'd bought each other this camera as a wedding gift to each other. Um, so I was clicking away on that and it was through the, the camera that I realised that there was something wrong. He was lying on his back staring at the sky and looked like he was struggling to breathe. So I started shouting and he didn't respond and then he just went limp. And that was him. It happened in, I would say, less than a minute. And it was just the most surreal, unbelievable thing. Like it was like an outer body experience standing there watching this unfold going, this cannot be happening to me. Like what's wrong with him? And part of me up until the time that they actually told me that they they couldn't do anything, um, I still believed that he was going to be fine. You know, you kind of imagine that you're going to get to the hospital and he's going to be lying there with a mask and I'm going to be like, Jesus, what the hell? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you know, don't do that again. And who was with him in the water? So there was a couple of dads and then um, two or three young, not young kids, but like maybe 12, 13 year olds that had kind of jumped in at the same time. So it was, I was kind of screaming at them to get to him. He felt like he was ages away. No, he wasn't. He was just, you know, maybe five or six meters away. Um, but I, yeah, it, it was Were just... you frantic? Were you screaming? Initially, like, was it no, I was very no. much Jeff, Jeff. And then when I realized he wasn't responding, I was like, mom, he's not answering me. And mom said, oh, sure, he does that all the time in the pool. You know, he always lay back and just floated. Um, and I said, no, mom, there's something wrong with him. And then I st- and I, d- I don't get, as in like, I'm quite a deep voiced person. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get hysterical. Yeah. I got hysterical. I um, started screaming and shouting. And then the captain came over and I said, you need to get him out of the water. I said, he's drowning. And it just was, it was all so manic. Then the dinghy came out at the same time. So they, they pulled him up onto the dinghy and then they left and they went to the shore and they left us on the main boat. And we were there for an hour and 40 minutes before they came back to get us. We had no clue. We were frantically ringing my dad who hadn't come on the boat trip. He was back at the villa. It was all just very surreal. Um, We ended up having to bring bring my brother in Ireland to get him to get through to the villa to get dad. It was just mad. Um, And then when we got back to the shore, I kind of had a feeling because there was just one ambulance guy on the dinghy when they came back out to get me Um, and his dad and my mom and you know, when we when we got to the pier, then the main ambulance guy was there to greet me. And I ran up to the ambulance thinking that's where Jeff was, but there was no sign of him anywhere. And he started hammering me with questions about what we'd had for breakfast and had we been drinking and, you know, had he hit his head? And I was like, no, look, where is he? Like, can I just go and sit with him? Like, where is he? Is he OK? Um, and that's when he said, you know, we worked on him for a very long time. And I'm sorry, there's nothing we could like, there's nothing we could do. And I just remember sitting there going. I actually laughed, I think. I think I kind of let out a, (laughs) like, you're joking. And then I just remember the feeling of the blood draining from the top of my head and it just disappeared. And I thought I was going to get sick. So I kind of scrambled to the side door of the ambulance and then I fell flat on my face. So when I came to, I was hooked up to a drip. Um, And I just said, look, I I need to go. I was trying to pull it out of my arm and I said, I want to go and sit with him. And he said, we need to get you to hospital. You're after falling and you're pregnant. And I was like, I'm fine. The baby's fine. I just want to go and sit with my husband. And he just very clearly said, how would you feel if you lost your husband and your baby in the same day? And I just went, I don't think that would be great. And he said, let's just get you to hospital and get you scanned. There's nothing you can do for Jeff. And I just, you kind of just do what you're told, you know. Your life Um, was just unfolding in this very... surreal way it felt yeah. like a movie perhaps and you feel like this numb person that it's just happening I remember my mom 
and I, I'll never, I'll never get the sound, I suppose, out of my head. But her just saying no, 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 and you know, as a mom now, I can totally now understand yeah, where pain. she was at. Um, but yeah, so went to the hospital and we didn't see him for two days. We they didn't. It was the most bizarre week. Why is they just, that? They just wouldn't tell us where he was and they said that they had to do autopsies and they had to do this, that and the other. And I just remember shouting down the phone to so many people saying, I just want to was sit with my husband. Was there a suspicion that he, like, why? No idea. No idea. They were. They just wouldn't tell me anything. Like, the, the guy from, because we had travel insurance for anybody out there that doesn't have oh it, do God. not leave the country without exactly. it, please. Um, he came out and got me to sign. When I say a pile, I, 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 I vaguely remember sitting at the table and mom holding my hand, like doing my signature. Signature, sorry. Um, and yeah, filled out all these forms and it was the Tuesday then. So he died on the Sunday uh, around lunchtime. And on the Tuesday then, I just remember roaring down the phone. Somebody saying, you need to tell me where he is. This is not right. You need to tell me where he is. And they finally told me then that he was in Portimao, in the, the morgue in Portimao. Um, so I literally, I got in the car and I just drove. And obviously we were all there. Um, and they told me once that I, once I got to him that I could sit there for as long as I wanted and I could spend time with them. And we literally got there at like, I think it was five to six or five to five, whatever it was. Um, and obviously saw him and it was horrific. But then they said, oh, we're closing now. And I just remember going, I oh, know I'm not leaving him. Like, I, I, I just want to sit with him. And they wouldn't let me. And they like dragged me out of the room. And I was just like, I, like, this is horrific. Like, there was nothing soft about it. There was nothing gentle or, you know, it was just... It was horrific. It was like ripping off the, the most sticky plaster that you can imagine very painfully. Um, and yeah, so it was then the the Friday, Thursday night we got him home and Aer Lingus were, can't even, can't even go there. They were just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, and then he was buried on the Saturday in, in Shangana. So and you've was, never discovered why the treatment was so bizarre or poor or no, um, and you haven't looked in. You've just moved on with your life. No, we, but we it could must have, have left had a very bad taste. Oh, yeah. Like I, I still, again, feels like an out of body experience even thinking about it. But like things like they had, you know, they had his wedding ring and the shorts that he had on and like even trying to get those things back. Like everything was a struggle. You know, nothing was easy to do. Um until we got home and then then the softness came. The second we actually saw the Aer Lingus plane and the staff were all on the steps to greet us and that's when I felt like I was going to be looked after and, and I was from the moment that I, I got on that flight to come home. Um, but even for him, it just made me so sad for him because he was such a great guy and it was just, you know, the Portuguese side of things it was just a really hard thing to swallow, if you know what I mean. Like, even the flight home, I was like, he can't fly home with Ryanair. It has to be Aer Lingus because he loved Aer Lingus, yeah. you know. Just those little things for me were were huge. Um, and I know you only revisited, am I correct in saying you only revisited Portugal or this particular place in recent years? In May last year. So I had that booked flights to go in 2020 and then COVID hit. Um. Yeah, I, I always said to everybody I would never go back ever, ever, ever. And then I suppose as kind of time goes on and the pain is less, you kind of feel more drawn to these places, I suppose. Um, and yes, I went over May last year with my mom and my best friend and Albie. Um, and it was just the most magical, incredible weekend. Like we, I got flowers the day we arrived and I went to every place that we had been on that in that week and just left a flower by each big memory place, if you know what I mean. So like the pool by the villa and the marina in Albufeira and 
you know, the, the, the restaurant that we could see from the boat was in San Rafael Beach. So when I went there, that was just, I mean, I'm sitting in the place that I could see from the boat. And that was just huge. I, I really felt him there because obviously that's where he had died, was just in the water just off the shore. Um, so yeah, it was like, I'm so glad I did it. It was really special. And for me, I want to be able to bring Lily at some point. And I just needed to go myself first and be like this for the entire weekend um, and just let all of that raw emotion out before I, I go with her because I do let her see me cry, but not not the way I've cried over, you know, things. Um, but yeah, so it was very healing. It was very lovely. I, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I would go back. I'd live there in a heartbeat now. I've, I've gone from never wanting to go back again to like moving like I'd like to move there um but yeah it's a lovely place Portugal is is gorgeous you know it's a gorgeous country we would have always gone on holiday so I'm glad that I've broken that I don't know what you'd call it yeah well there's healing in that but it's still not an easy trip but to bring you back to the time where you're having to be this this sudden you know pregnant with this man's child and you're in Shangana and you're burying your husband the love of your life and you're surrounded by people and it's all a performance you know everyone wants a bit of it because everyone is mourning and grieving and you're just probably not in real time oh no not at all how did you get through that time and was were you ever concerned about your was there really very little thoughts about even that because I think the grief must have been so much that Oh, right. Like it was the crying that used to bother me because it was so intense and so painful. Like it, it was just so deep. Like you can cry tears and then you can cry deep tears that come from inside you and you're sore after it and your stomach hurts and your eyes hurt and your head hurts. And there was so much of that that I didn't think the pregnancy was, was going to be able to continue. Like I was convinced that I was going to miscarry or worse, you know. Um, but I was with the psychiatrist in Hollis Street and I mean to this day Dr. McCarthy is my saviour um, <laughs> mine too <laughs> mine too um, but yeah I started seeing him so I, I registered with Hollis Street which at, at the time was a difficulty in itself because I was 22 weeks and they were like well, why are you only coming to us now and I was like but I've been in the UK under the NHS but like I, I and why? And I had to go through the whole thing with them and be like, "Look, my husband died. I don't want to be here, but I am here. So can you just look after I me? Need please? to just come now." Yeah. Um, so and she was engaged from twenty four weeks. So there was this worry from twenty four wow. weeks on that she was going to arrive, and I didn't know I was having a girl either. I actually had the opportunity to find out the day that he died, and when I had the scan that day in Portugal, he said, "Do you want to know?" And I said, "No, no, 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 no. We weren't going to find out." Were you? You're going through hell on earth. Were you, and this is a really like private question and like you might find it hard to answer. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But were you engaged with that pregnancy? Did no. you find it hard to connect? Yes. Okay. So oh, no, it's a really not. hard thing to connect to when you've lost this person. You know, you're going to have to. But we had nothing. Like we had no life insurance. We yeah. had no, we didn't own a home. So I had no house. I had to move back from London, back in with my parents. And I'm so lucky that they had a house that was, you know, able to accommodate me and Kobe at the time. Um, so, like, I had very little, like, and it was petrifying. And it still is petrifying. Like, I'm, it doesn't go away, you know. It's still petrifying raising children in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and, you know, you have that whole other aspect of it. But at the time, 
so we took weekly bump shots at home in London at the Mirror upstairs. And when we were in Portugal, and the day before he died, I was 19 weeks. And he had taken a photo of me in the hall of the villa. And that was the last picture I took until like the October. Because I just couldn't, he wasn't here to take the photo. Yes. So I was like, no, 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 he's not here. I don't. And mum was like, Sinead, just, and I was like, no, I don't want any more. That's it. And my friend, Shara, and she's since gone too, um, she came over for the weekend and she was adamant. She's like, I don't care. I'm taking photos of your bump. And I was like, oh, whatever. So there's so many pictures of me sitting at my kitchen table, like with this massive bump. So I went from like 19 weeks to a little food belly to like property pregnant. Wow. They're my bump pics. Um, she's a very long girl, isn't she? She's she's like a oh, leggy. She's tall. She's tall. So she she's was her daddy's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Trying to fit. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was all bump. There was yeah. no like extra fluidy bits. No, it was no. just bump. Um, and I only ate brioche. Like when I think back, <laughs> like I literally survived on brioche and. <laughs> I don't know well, what you were else. just surviving. Surviving, yeah. literally. And Dr. McCarthy had said to me, I'll never forget it. He was like, this baby is a parasite. I was like, sorry? And he was like, you will get sick before this baby gets sick. So stop worrying. They just about, take all the Stop worrying stuff. about the fact that you're not eating and you're not looking after yourself properly and you're not taking this, you know, nutrient and supplement and whatever. He said, your baby will survive on you and you will get sick. And I was like, all right, okay. And that totally... Ain't that the truth about pregnancy? So true. Yeah. So true. And I was like, it, it just helped me kind of go, you know what, maybe I will get to the end of this pregnancy. So I did. Get, I got to 38 weeks. Tell, of me, sitting at tell home. me about her arrival. Uh, it wasn't the greatest. I think that's a whole other podcast. Um, but yeah, my waters went at home. I remember texting my friend. She was in Australia. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And I felt this pop right up the top under my rib, like under my boob. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm after getting the worst kick. And the next thing I felt this gush. So I don't know whether she kicked me so hard she actually <laughs> broke my waters herself. Um, and I remember like sitting up going, oh, oh shit, this is it. Like this, this, oh shit. Um, because obviously when you're pregnant, you can be very removed from yes. what's coming next because there is no baby in your yeah. arms. Um, so I remember tiptoeing like with these little gushes with every step into my mum's room, opening the door and going, mom, mom. I think my waters have like whispering. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, mom, my waters have just gone. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and my sister happened to be down from Belfast at the time with her. She had um, a three-year-old and then newborn twins. So it was just her life at the time, my God. Um, but yes, I went into the bathroom and I had my show and I had all the things were happening that I was told might happen and could happen if my waters went. Um, and then we got in the car and Kira drove like an absolute bat out of hell. And I think she sent me into deeper labour with the way she drove in um, and into Hollow Street you know as they say you leave your dignity at the door like tail between the legs oh, and just awful. like yeah. hi yes and my waters have gone yeah sure we'll just check you and just head in there to admissions I'm like no but like I'm having a baby it's now it's so casual isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> they've seen it all um, so yeah went into admissions and it, it kind of you know to me I was in I had the TENS machine on I was in agony and I got in there and I wasn't dilated at all I was like sorry what <laughs> I was like, what's this pain? <laughs> like, what is this pain? Um, so they gave me, they gave me... Oc oxytocin. Oxytocin. Yeah. And then the other one... No, sorry. The they epidural. Gave me they gave me the epidural yes. first. And then they gave me oxytocin. Okay. So whatever happened... Wow, it, all, it really brought it... It did, but then it kind of counteracted. Then it all slowed down. Then it all got a bit messy. So she... Anyway, like I had pushed for what felt like forever um, and she finally made her appearance at seven minutes past ten um, but she I don't even think she did a lot of damage there was a lot of damage done she ended up being a Kiwi delivery so they ended up 
having to suck her out because she got stuck. Um, so I ended up going up to surgery straight after. And I just remember thinking, if I die here, like this is not good. This like this is not fair on her. Like what if I die during surgery? Because I was losing a bit of blood and I just you just go there. You're just like, this could happen. Like it just happened to Jeff. Why couldn't it happen to me? Um and I remember my sister wouldn't leave me until she was made. She was like, No, no, I'm coming with her. And they were like, No, no, you can't come. And she was like, Well, I'm coming as far as I can go. Um, so she came to the door of theatre and they were going to start doing, because I had the epidural, they were going to start doing whatever they needed to do with me awake and I just freaked out. I was like, whatever you're doing, stop, please. There was like 15 people rallying around me and I was like, please just put me to sleep. I can't, I can't do this. And I just needed him. I just needed him there. And I had a picture of him stuck to the wall while I was pushing and I just kept looking at it going like, you asshole. <laughs> like, and like there was rage mixed with yeah, emotion, course, mixed with fear, look mixed what you've with done to me. happiness, mixed yeah. with everything. And I was, yeah. So yeah, she, look, she was absolutely perfect. Five pounds seven, or five pounds 13. Sorry, not five pounds seven. Um, and yeah, she was perfect. And we were in Hollis Street for five days because I was in a pretty bad way and then got home and then had to go back in again for like six days. So it was quite, quite a, it's quite a hard, quite a hard start. start. Yeah. yeah, no, no chilling. No, no. There yeah. was a lot of sitting on ring cushions, yeah. and I had more surgery then the following March to try and fix everything. So it was, it was rough. Like it was really rough. Um, and yeah, that was what twenty twelve. Does then? a part of your brain, Sinead, when all this stuff is happening, does a part of your brain go? You know why me? Oh, like, I, I'm. I was an asshole in a previous I'm life. Through the this, only explanation. You know what I mean? Like then you give me the pregnancy and it's fine but then you decide to give me the most horrendous labour then you damage my body then you want me to bond with a baby when I don't have the is a part of you in a very um, negative mode all the time completely because you're just waiting for the next worst thing that's going to happen like they wouldn't let me have a c-section which I still I feel a little bit hard done by about because I know the recovery actually would have been much quicker and you would have it would have suited your mental health it really would have and I wouldn't have had to go through the the labour by myself without him there I find that really tough but then maybe it made me stronger you know maybe maybe it was the right thing at the time like not at the time but maybe it it was going forward you know Um, but yeah no I did feel very just like Jesus like ease off me you know give somebody else something don't why is it me that gets all these things I just felt really like why like why um so your road with Lily and bonding and your relationship as mom daughter tricky amazing beautiful scary like all of the things everything so I don't think I would have got through it without my mom like she was incredible so obviously I lived at home um, Lily had really bad colic as well to throw into the mix so she screamed from 5 in the evening to 5 in the morning I tried to feed her myself I wasn't making enough milk I tortured myself for 9 weeks and then I think it, a midwife just said Sinead why are you doing this to yourself and I was like because I said I was going to feed her for a year and she's like but you're not happy and she's not happy because you're not happy and maybe just try and introduce more bottles and let's see how we go and the difference oh my god Like so I stopped at 9 weeks the day of her christening was the last bottle or the last breastfeed um, and there was no emotion attached no, to it. Good. It was just like, this That's needs it. to be done. Yeah. has yeah. to happen. Good. Um, and then went out that night and had the best night out with all my friends and had loads more to drink than I would have had because I wasn't feeding Worrying her. It was just and, yeah. needed. Um, but yeah, my mom, like I used to ring her at five or whatever, three in the morning and say, mom, you need to come and take her off me because I can't listen to her anymore. You know, there was a lot of that in the first so few your weeks. your mom is special. Oh my goodness me. My mom is my rock. My mom is my Jeff, as I call her. 
Um, That's very special for her to step into the oh, breach. She's unbelievable. My dad as well, you know, they, they took me back at yeah. 30, you know, with a baby and a dog. But you would do that for your, you would do that. I would die you know? for my children, yeah. you know. Um, but it, it was hard, you know, it's a lot of adults living in the same space. It wasn't and then, the glamorous baby ads of the two partners nope. or the you know, whether you're hetero or you're gay, like it wasn't that kind of partnership of holding the baby and eating no. dinner together and putting, it was a lonely road, I it would was, say. It was horrible. And yeah. I, I still, I suppose, that part really hurts, you know, when I think back of how lonely it was. And I wasn't in a place where I could go to baby classes. I tried to do baby massages. She slept the whole way through, but I <laughs> felt so different. Yeah. I felt, I didn't feel the same as all the moms yeah. that sat and talked about their husbands and their boyfriends. And, yeah. and I couldn't listen to it either because I was like, you know, they, they would sit there and go, oh, yeah, you know, she cried a little bit last night, but I just gave her to my husband. And I was like, or when they give out resentful. about their partners and you're like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. which I do all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it, it was really hard and it was really lonely. And there's a lot of like in Ireland, I just feel like there's too much suck it up and get on with it. Oh, like, 100%. I, I, you know, I was given a few months leeway of grieving and then it was like, right, that's it now, let's go. And I'm like, no, like even now, 12 years on. And it doesn't I, go away. It's still raw. I yeah. still talk about it and my heart is still broken, but you learn to adjust and you learn well, to... Well, you learn to live with the pain. Coping mechanisms of living with it. But I um, do agree. There's a, there's, a, there's a softness to Irish people, the storyteller side of us, and we're great lovers, we're we're welcoming but there's a hardness too that's that kind of like because it's a hard landscape it's a yeah. hard island we've gone through yeah. a lot we've gone through a lot we've gone through so much I was even thinking when you watch the Banshees of Inishir, like there's such a hardship that Irish people have endured and because of that sometimes it's a generational thing oh, yeah. and the generational traumas you're right about the suck it up and I think it's not really benefiting anyone no, it's, it's just damaging us further 100% so and my nana this, sorry be, no, on. on that my nana also, she passed away in 2016, but again, the woman that I would have gone to on a Friday night and sat and smoked cigarettes and drank tea rather than going out into town, like that kind of a woman, just such crack, amazing. And we had the most incredible relationship and she even picked up the phone one day. I was upset over something and she said, Sinead, millions of people have lost their husbands. It's time you sucked it up now. You know, it's time to just stop with the whinging and the moaning and just get on with it. And I remember just going, <gasps> even Nana, but that's, that's, what they had to experience. There was no wallowing. Ten babies, was, yeah. loads of miscarriages, no help, Still no births, money. Your baby goes into hospital, husband, you never but, see like, it again. So much, like, so much trauma. And there was no time for sitting and wallowing, you know. But it's in all of us. It's passed on. It's not great. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So you have Lily, you know, and I don't want to move this too quickly forward. But I know. There's so much recently as well to discover about you as a mom and what you've gone through. But you have Lily. And what age was Lily when you met Green? So Green, a.k.a. Michael, is his actual name. Um, so I played hockey when I was in the UK and Michael played for the same hockey club. So I I knew of him, but I had never actually been introduced to them. Um, and then we went to a mutual hockey friend's wedding in Italy in September 2013. So Lily was nearly two. Um, and the first, it was a weekend, we were in Luca in Italy and he, he arrived in in one of those like double bike things with his mate Mark. And Mark and I had been really, really friendly when we were in the hockey club. Um, and I just remember like I don't know what happened he just arrived up and he got out and he was like hey Huss and I said hey Green they were our nicknames um, and we sat down and we chatted for a bit and it just I don't know I just felt something it was like a little spark I'm all about the sparks but there was just something ignited I was like oh which had been dead I have not felt this in a very long time um, so as the weekend went on obviously we got you know 
we chatted more. And the night before the wedding, it was like trying to draw blood from a stone. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I think he didn't, he knew my story. He knew about Lily. He knew about Jeff. He knew about everything. So I think he wasn't thinking that I was in the place where I was not. looking for anything. Yeah, I mean. So it took a while for him to cop on. I ended up like having to wrap my leg around his ah. under the table. And then he was like, it was like his face kind of went, He's like, oh she's grieving. I won't touch her. This <laughs> poor woman. You're like, listen, you better kiss Dude, me. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, so we left the restaurant that we were in that night and we had a little kiss. And I swear to God, I was like, wow. wow. Like, oh, wow. It just went through me. It was amazing. Did you always think you would never meet anyone ever again? Oh, and I, that you I, would I, close yourself I have up? stood in front of many people and said, I will never meet anybody again. Yeah. I will never marry anybody again. Yeah. I will never have more children. I would never do this. I would never do this. Yeah. I've learned since to not say I will never. Um... But yeah, so the weekend was incredible. We had such a lovely weekend, got home and missed him like immediately. And he came over two weekends later and um, we stayed in the Beacon in Sandyford and had the loveliest night and just we just got on so That's well. That's a special we man. You've so a two year old. Yeah, yeah. Which you're navigating with your family. You're navigating grief. You've got a lot of other things going on, you know, regarding life admin. Yeah. That's a special man. And there had You're been... a special person, but that is a special man oh, to yeah, come no, over. He's incredible. And... Like he is incredible. What he has, not, I hate saying what he's taken on because that's not fair. That makes me sound like this, you know, No, heavy he hasn't load. taken on anything, yeah. Um, but like what he, I suppose, has embraced. Sure. Is incredible. Um, and they're, like they're, I had gone out with a couple of guys before I met Michael and it just, again, it was forced. It was like me trying to kind of say no I'm ready to yeah, do yeah, this yeah. you know I'm ready to move forward and I'm ready to keep going um, but then I didn't realise how not ready I was until I met Michael um, so yeah he came over two weeks after the wedding and then that weekend he had said to me that his friends were getting married in South Africa and did I want to go and this was like three weeks after that and I was like what no oh my god no I'll die if I go to South Africa everyone dies and they go to South Africa isn't <laughs> that what happens Um and he was just like, sorry, he is South African, by the way. Um, that's, our, that's our other connection, the two yeah, South African husbands. Two South African husbands. Dragging so I, us to places <laughs> dark wild, and dangerous. Beautiful places. Yeah. Um, I went home and I said it to mom and she was like, go. What have you got to lose? Yeah. Go. Live your life, Sinead. You know, I think we've learned you have to. Um, so I went five weeks after I met him. I booked flights and I flew to London and flew to South Africa and had... The most incredible week, met the most incredible people, went to Kruger Park. Oh my God, it was just insane. It was it was like I saw an elephant like close to my face and I burst out crying. Like it was just all of the um, all intensely of the amazing. Yeah. Oh my God, it was amazing. Um, And we had been with his parents for the whole week. So that made it feel safer for me. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to be that naive person. Yeah. And, you know, you hear all the bad stories about South Africa. You don't hear about the incredible oh, parts a of it. Beautiful place. Um, so yeah, that was that was it. It just kind of went, and he moved over here in 2015. So he was living in London, like the London connection, um, and he moved over here in 2015. Um, we then bought our house in 2017, and I kind of said to him, "Look, I'm 36 years old. Do you want to have kids?" He was like, "Whoa, yeah." And he's like, "Forever bachelor," and he was an only child, and you know, loved his freedom. Um, and I said, "Well, I'm not getting any younger." So. Just letting you know, if you do want to have kids, in inverted commas, I don't really have a huge amount of time. And like, if we're going to wait for the house and then engagement, marriage, if that's going to happen, it might be too late for us to have kids. So we kind of decided that we would just try and see what happens. And I'm not joking. I came off the pill. <laughs> and I had said to him, like, you know, I'm older. My body's been through a hell of a lot. It'd probably take ages for me to get pregnant. I came off the pill and didn't get a period. I got pregnant immediately. Wow. <laughs> Um, so I just remember going, I was in work in Cabin Teeley and I was like, 
haven't got my period. Oh, Jesus Christ. I haven't had the bleed that you, you get when you yeah. come off the pill. I was like, actually not even possible. Like, not possible. It's too soon. Went down to Dunn's, got a pregnancy test, came back up, did it in the bathroom and literally like rang my mate, my mate going, I think I'm pregnant. And she was like, what? Because I hadn't told anybody. Like, it wasn't meant to happen that quickly. What a story. Oh my God. Um, so, yeah. We had, we, he was still in his apartment. I was still living at home. So we moved into my parents' house then. Um, the week after I got pregnant, he asked me not to tell anybody. And I was like, I have to tell my mom. Like, I can't not tell my mom. And he was like, just don't, just just give me, just don't tell anybody. And okay. I was like, okay. So I waited a week and then we went for lunch in the Marker Hotel. And he had booked out the uh, roof bar, the whole place. And had pictures of us up all over it. And it was just incredible. Lily was with me. So I was like, he's not going to ask me to marry him. Like, Lily is here. And he asked her first and it was just ridiculous. <laughs> and he gave her the most gorgeous necklace and just said, Lily, can I marry your mommy? And she like leapt from the couch and she was like, yes! did, she, did she love him? Was there? Oh my God, loved him. They had such a gorgeous connection. Like she just loved him. She but was he missing was that from, as well. She was yeah. missing, yeah. And he was fun and he still is. He's a little bit less fun. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny how sleep deprivation. <laughs> um... But yeah, like, no, they had such a gorgeous relationship. And then he asked me and I was like, yeah. And, I, you know, I was never getting married again, but I was like, this feels so right, right you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then we obviously told everybody that I was pregnant and we moved into the house in January 2018. Dylan was due in March and he arrived a week and a half later <laughs> um, in January 2018. Wow, my gosh. So he's as impatient um, getting pregnant as he was arriving. So he was six weeks early. So he was in NICU for a couple, but he was grand. He was just, you know, just needed He's a bit gorgeous. more time. You've got our little gingerling. Two gorgeous. Yeah. And I love all the names for everyone, but like <laughs> such gorgeous, like Lily Ref, you know, the gingerling. Sparky. You know, you have this, this love story with him, right? Se very separate to your first love story. Nothing's yeah. comparable. Like nothing in life. You can't do that. And you have this relationship. You're traveling. You're having this life. You've got your home. Um, you're working. Talk to me about Spark of Life and how that was born and how this idea of wanting that final child to fill your fit your pa family puzzle came about. Um, because this has been a hellish road, which has led yes. to absolute joy, but like hell. Yeah. Um, and tell you me know about it too that. well. I know it too well, and I think we did it very did it the same time. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um. So we. I obviously, as I said before, I always wanted loads of kids. Um, so I kind of approached the subject gently with Michael because he is an only child. And Lily and Dylan are at funny ages that they, they lockdown was really hard. So they kind of, I suppose, mm, pinged off each other yeah. not very nicely sometimes. And it was rough and it was hard and it was loud and it was shouty and, and it was an just age tough. gap there. And exactly. He annoys her quite a bit. Um, so initially, Michael was a bit apprehensive. And I said, look, you'll never regret having a child end of and he was like no okay fair enough so we decided to go for number three and final um in january 2020 yeah. yeah um and it took me a couple of months to get pregnant which i was a bit like when i say like two months yeah which for me was long you know because lily and dylan kind exactly. of sneezed yeah. and was pregnant so i got pregnant in the april um another christmas baby i was like oh my god can we can we move away from the winter babies there's like too many of them now and we were at home, it was lockdown. Lockdown had just started in the March, I just got pregnant. And then at five and a half weeks, I went into the bathroom and I started bleeding. And I knew it wasn't implantation bleeding this time. Um, I phoned Hollow Street and they said, look, it's too early to tell. 
you know, it could be just your, your period. And I said, it's not like I'm five and a half weeks now, you know. Um, so they said, look, if you want to come in, you can come in, but we may not be able to see anything, but you have to come in by yourself. And I was like, oh, Jesus, like I just wasn't expecting that side of lockdown. You just don't think of those. So I did go into Hollow Street because I needed to kind of know and they did a scan um, and they, again, they couldn't see anything. They did it, you know, it was the scanning machines downstairs before they opened the new area. Um, so they said, look, come back in a week. And I was like, what? Are you joking me? So I had to go home. I bled very heavily that evening and um, was fully convinced that that was everything had passed. Absolutely traumatized and trying to hide this from my kids, like locking myself in the toilet, telling Lily I had an upset tummy. You know, it was it was horrific. Um, and then went back in the following week and there was an empty sack. So I was like, okay, you know, that's everything is gone. And, you know, the, the woman actually who did the scan had been there a lot for me when I was pregnant with Lily. So it was actually lovely to see her face when I walked in. Um, but she said, look, we, we need to come back to me on Wednesday because your HCG levels are actually high enough to come back in. And when I went back in on the Wednesday, there was a little embryo and I just wasn't prepared for that. I just, I really wanted there to not be an embryo at all and just the sack to have been empty. But anyway, so it was, it was a lot. Um, I went back in the following week then for a DNC, which again, on my own, dropped at the front door, you know, big girl pants on, in you go, expected to be tough and all the rest. Um, so I'm a very impatient, determined human and didn't want to waste any time in trying again. So we we didn't. We just kind of kept going as we were um, and then found out I was pregnant again without having a cycle in between. Um, very excited. Found out on Jeff's anniversary that I was pregnant again. And everything was progressing fine. My boobs were sore. Everything seemed perfect. Booked a private scan. Lockdown had eased a bit. So I thought that he'd be able to come in with me, but he wasn't allowed to. Um, so I had the scan and there was nothing in my uterus. I was like, sorry, what? I was like, no, 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 but I'm seven weeks pregnant. I've done all the tests. They went, they progressed. They were amazing. Everything's fine. And she said, I, Sinead, I, I'm really sorry. You're going to have to go into Hollow Street. She said, I, I, I don't see a baby in your uterus and um, it could be a molar pregnancy it could be a top all these things started being thrown at me I was like what and yeah into Hollis Street a very long internal exam found out it was an ectopic pregnancy sent home just to kind of wait it out see what happens um, went back in for bloods anyway ectopic pregnancy had to have surgery lost my left tube um, was told to wait a cycle did what I was told waited a cycle pregnant again so very fertile. We've come to to realize that. And during your ectopic um, pregnancy, you reached out to me. So we have so we a didn't mutual know each pal. other. Yes. So Lauren had obviously told me about you and everything that you had experienced. And Lauren Kelly O'Sullivan, <laughs> hi, turned up for me at my lowest of my low. COVID couldn't have Jason in. Had been asked to stay in hospital or I would die because this ectopic yeah. was rupturing. Uh, was hopeful the baby could be taken out was definitely not with the beast oh, yeah. I didn't understand what they were doing and went into surgery had a tube out and the baby out and it was horrendously hard to hear the pregnant the baby's being born next door yeah. and then you're having this and Lauren turned up at my right bedside in. yeah, yeah. Um, you just know, because just because and yeah. like Lauren would be someone I see from radio times now and again and I love her dearly, but she turned up when my family had to mind the, my kid and everyone else, you know, had to do other things, yeah. responsibilities at she home. Was there. She was there. And so I thought it was such an interesting connection that you reached out to yeah. me. So we, yeah, we connected virtually. It's all very virtual. Um, and we chatted quite a bit. And only for you, I genuinely don't think that I would have gotten through what I got through. Um, because our stories were very similar in the 
the recurrent Miss Cara's journey. Um, and yeah, like I think I kept I saying to you, we could do this. Yeah, yeah like, I think we I kept have saying this. we can do Sinead, this. Stop with this. And you were a little can... step ahead of me. You were a couple of months ahead of me. Yeah. So everything that you were experiencing, I seemed to follow suit yeah. quite soon after. It was all very strange. I'd have a loss, you'd have a loss. Yeah, yeah. the ectopic, the ectopic, another yeah. another miscarriage. So I then got pregnant again, um, was due in the July, um, and everything was fine. The scans were good, baby was progressing, heartbeat was strong. And at nine weeks, I was sitting at my kitchen table, and I just felt different. And I just said to Green, I'm going to go into Hollow Street. I just don't feel right. And he was like, oh, you're joking. Are you bleeding? I said, no. I said, I'm not bleeding. Are you in pain? No. Hollow Street asked exactly the same questions. And I said, I just don't feel, I feel funny. Rang Hollow Street and they said, look, we're not going to turn you away at the door. But like, you know, you've been through a lot. Chances are you're fine. You d-. And I said, well, just reassure me then. Just let me come in and tell me that everything's fine. I went in, two midwives on my own. Uh, one holding my hand, talking about the weather. And the other one, obviously doing the scan on my belly and then said, I'm just going to do an internal. And those words I knew, I was like, you can't find a heartbeat, can you? I said, would you just tell me? And she said, look, it could just be an awkward lie, as in the baby's lie. And I was like, I just knew. So she then did the internal and told me that unfortunately I was right, that there was no heartbeat. And I wailed. I feel like this is your rock bottom. I feel like obviously, you know, Jeff's passing was a monumental change shift in your life and how you expected life as we do as little girls to just map out and suddenly you realise life is really rough sometimes and is there a God I don't know if there's and all of that stuff happens you have these bumps but you're coping because you're a very strong person I know it's a really annoying word (laughs) it is really annoying because it's like I don't want to be you know but you are but this one I think and even from speaking to you was a very bad time for you. Because everything was fine. Everything was going the way it was supposed to go. I had, you know, you, from the second you get those two lines, you're picturing this baby and what they're going to you know, be like in your family and girl, boy, you know, what, what dynamic it's going to bring. Um, so it was really hard. And I remember just like wailing, literally wailing. The two midwives left the room and I rang my mom first and I was like, mom, it's, it's happened again. Like, I just don't understand. And she... She, again, was like, Sinead, I, I'm so sorry. Like, so I went home. I actually asked them to do the DNC there and then. I said, just just do it. Like, why drag this out? Like, you don't need to confirm it in, in a week's time. It's just, it's done. It's too hard, So yeah. it, was the, it was the day of the Late Late Toy Show. And I came home, put on my Christmas pyjamas. I had told Lily stupidly on the Wednesday that I was pregnant. So I had to tell her then on the Friday that, unfortunately, the baby hadn't made it and that the baby's heart hadn't developed any further and I tried to be as soft as possible because there's enough grief in her life yeah. there's enough loss and her little brain can only cope with so much anyway so we sat down we watched the Late Late Toy Show that was our norm and went back in on the Monday and in the meantime I forgot to say the ectopic I had the ectopic on the Monday and the surgery on the Monday and on the Wednesday I got home on the Monday evening or the Tuesday maybe um, I got home with my dog Kobe so Jeff and my dog was very ill and he was put to sleep on the Wednesday. So that happened in the same week in August. And I, I, I tell you something, I, when I look back, I can't even talk about him. Um, but all of this, that year, 2020, I'm like, ugh, 2011, 2020, write them off. They're just not nice. Um, so yeah, got home, all normal with Lily. Watched the Late Late Toy Show, went in on the Monday, had another DNC. I was done. Absolutely not doing I remember this you anymore. saying, that's it, I'm actually good now for babies. And yeah. I was like, no, Sinead. No, done. I don't know what was Absolutely in me, done. but I was like, you can do this. Yeah. And I thought, I and don't then, encourage her. 
we, I had loads of testing after that. So they did loads of bloods. They sent him, or I didn't know at the time, they sent him off for testing. Um, so we got a phone call then in the January from Dr. Kathy Allen with the results. And I'd never spoken to her before. Had heard of her, but I'd never spoken to her. Oh my goodness, what an earth angel. She's a wonderful. She's just so lovely. Yeah. So she rang and she said, we have your results. Um, you know, sometimes these can be difficult to hear, but you know, this is what has come back. Um, and let me know that he had trisomy 21. So he actually had Down syndrome. I had found out before that, that it was a little boy. Wow. Um, wow. So that was huge. Well, it's also putting Mixed a personality emotions. and a shape on him. It's oh forming this little boy in your eyes. It was easier to not know what yeah, gender I they would were. Agree. You know, um, so that was that was huge. And I just remember thinking, like, how would we have coped? How you know, it was it was just it was a very weird feeling of, oh my god, like that. It was huge news for me. Um, but it was an answer to to why it happened, yeah. which was also which is needed. Needed. Yeah. Um. And then, so we chatted a lot about what we could do and if I wanted to have another, and I was like, no, I'm not even trying, I'm not going there, I'm done. And she said, well, just give yourself a couple of months. She was like, don't make too many rash decisions now. And she said, Sinead, the way I see it is, if you feel strong enough to have another miscarriage, there's nothing stopping you from getting pregnant again. And I was like, well, I'm numb to them now. And she was like, exactly. So if you do want a third baby, there's nothing stopping you. You are able to get pregnant. You are, you know, your AMH levels are high. You know, your, your body is capable of doing this for you. But it's just at this stage, potluck as to which one is going to actually make it, you know. Um, So then, like, I can't remember whether it was just before that or just after, but Green had said to me, like, are you pregnant? And I was like, what? I was like, no. And he said, your boobs look like you're pregnant. And I just remember thinking, I can't be pregnant. I can't. And I hadn't had a cycle after my DNC with Charlie. And I remember doing a test and it was positive. And I was like, no. And this was the January. And literally within a week, I started bleeding and I bled for a few days and that was it. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is my number four. That was it then. I was done. Chemical pregnancy, for those of you who who are not sure what it is, you have a positive pregnancy test, but the embryo falls away from the lining and you just have your period as normal quite soon after the positive pregnancy test. Um, and I was total, totally obsessed with tests. So as I did the test, I could see the line fading. Anyway, that was me done. So it was actually Michael. That turned around and Were said... Were you going to therapy? No. No, I went to therapy for years after Jeff okay. died. Um, I, no, it wasn't until but I got pregnant But not for again. your pregnancy losses? No. no. Um, I, I felt like I had learned enough in the years that I had been to okay. a counsellor to be to able to cope. Now, there was a lot of shouting and a lot of rage and a lot of frustration, and that's how I dealt with it. Um, so yeah, we gave it a couple of months, looked after myself, lost a bit of weight, because obviously I had picked up a little bit from everything that had gone on. Um... I was very religious in like taking proceeds and really looking after myself. And then in the March, Michael said, like, why don't we give it one more go? And I was like, what if? And he said, but what if not? Like, you know, what if it doesn't happen? It's again? always going to be on our mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Rosanna Davison has actually said something about having a March and um, trying in March. So you, if you if your period is in March, that you will have a baby the same year. Yeah, which, is a, which is a very... Yeah. A due date the same yeah. year. So in my head, I was like, right, this is it. 2021. This is the year. This is the year. And I'm going to do this now. And if it doesn't work out, that's me definitely done. So we tried. We got pregnant. Surprise, surprise. Um, and I was with the TLC clinic in Hollis Street. And Dr. Kathy Allen was looking after me. And 
every week I went in and there was a baby there and there was a heartbeat and then I went in the week after and there was a baby and a heartbeat and then I went in week after so I did a fundraiser while I was pregnant during that pregnancy for a new scanning machine for the TLC clinic because the one they had was shocking um, so that kind of gave me a focus away from what if I lose this baby I was very focused on we're going to get a new scanning machine for this hospital so did that and got the new scanning machine which it's called Sparky um, so I had during my two week wait started lighting candles this like seems so ridiculous it's such an Irish thing but every night I lit a candle and every time the spark sparked I imagined that the baby sparking and as the flame grew I imagined this baby growing that was my whole mindset for this entire pregnancy I did it every night every single night Michael even started doing it with me because he was like I've lit the candle I'm like no 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 I'll do it now um, and the pregnancy progressed and it progressed and it progressed and at 37 weeks I was at home and I got into bed and I got a searing pain in my back and I thought oh my goodness this is it and I went in I was due to see I had a c-section with Dylan and a c-section with this little guy too and yeah went in had my c-section and Sparky arrived on the 13th of December which is obviously a and a beautiful name Sparky Albie yeah he wasn't named for a week it took a week but we got there and what she isn't <laughs> what she isn't telling you in all of this is that she's doing her little candle trick at home and you know making a part of her daily kind of survival or you know part of her your daily life but so are loads of other of, women yeah it became so a bit of a thing loads of women start sharing on Instagram that they're Doing fertility issues or trying to get pregnant or have lost babies or are really depressed or and they're all lighting these candles and you're sharing them and everyone else is sharing them and it, it actually became a wave which you really should take massive credit for <laughs> besides really nice. the machine and all. it has given people hope. a focus and yeah. a hope and it's it's not just really nice it is life-changing for some women because I remember speaking about my experience way back and before I had very luckily had Simone and I do remember the the outpouring from women and being quite stunned like I could have spoken about my career or my marriage or something fancy but honestly this resonated more yeah so what you have done you will never know what you've done for those people and how they're now being brought along by your journey and I think in turn that is something that you know sometimes we're a bit f- feminist all women should support each other I think actually you just need to help each other along yeah, yeah, yeah. the road that is pretty dark sometimes yeah, and they like they became an even bigger thing because I I then decided randomly to actually make Spark Alive candles, um, and then the proceeds of them went to like fertility and miscarriage clinics in Ireland, um. So they launched in May, the day that I left to go to Portugal actually last year, um, and they sold the first batch sold out in like two and a half hours. It was insane. I just remember looking at my phone and all these orders coming through, going shit like. Oh my God, I people are amazing. actually buying these things. Um, and it's really special to know that these candles are kind of lit across Ireland and people and, and the world have sent them to Australia and Spain and everywhere. Um, but yeah, they're, they're the Sparkle Life candles and they kind of, they're just to bring a little bit of hope, a little bit of light in the darkness, as I keep telling people, because it's so dark. It's so lonely and hard and it's really... You just don't feel like anybody gets what you're going through. I always sing through. to my husband and he laughs because he's South African. I don't think he understands, but I'm like, my heart is low. My heart is so... It's like only a woman's. And he's like, oh God, here she is, the banshee. But it's true. It's a, it's a wonderful road being a woman, but it can be pretty uh, pretty dark at times. Like yeah. I had to go in throughout COVID on my own through all of that. And when I gave birth to Simone, I was on my own. 
Um, Jason came in at the end, but it's a tricky, tricky thing being a woman and navigating it all. You're pretty badass. I think as you, you know are you are pretty badass. Um, how are you as a family? Like it's not hot. It's not easy. <laughs> oh, let's how not is do it? that. Um, it's tough. Look, Lily is now eleven. Um, Dylan is now five. Albie has just turned one. Um, and the dynamics are tough. You know, it's it's a blended family. We're not all from the same gene pool. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's really hard. It's, it's busy, hard to it's balance hard, all. It's yeah. emotional. It's hormonal. It's you know, there's it's a stressful, lot. It's yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Lily was adamant at the time that she wanted a sister this time around. And I, you know, when Albie arrived, I was like, you oh, know, how am I going to break it to her? <laughs> <laughs> it's another brother. But in fact, it's made her really special. You know, she's my only daughter. And I think there's something really, really special in that. Um, but yeah, look, it's hard. And we navigate things all the time and we get help. And as, you know, the phrase that nobody understands until you're in it, it takes a village to raise a child, you know, only for my family and my friends. You know, it, it's tough. It's tough, and um, we we get through it on on there a is, daily basis. There is I no romantic. There is it. no romantic ad for for real life parenting. No. I think you all you want these little things, and yeah. there's something narcissistic even about like I want my own children. And then you you're in it, and there's so many incredible moments. Oh, yeah. Like I've these hugely special moments where I'm bawling in the hallway because the two of them have done something but where they're like equally I love as you. many, but equally as many hard moments. Yeah. Like you know, even I'm a little bit unwell at the moment, and, and getting through nights with the baby and the tiredness and your marriage is like this. You were these besties who all you cared about was each other, and now you're like pulled from. Yeah, it's tough, and that's hard. And yeah. I think it's good that you're open about that. And I think if you don't follow Sinead Hingston on Instagram, <laughs> you're missing. Out. <laughs> because she brings us on the journey of her life and all the, the great fun stuff and she's such a character like you are a gas character <laughs> because you are such an honest lovely a little bit too funny person but you're not just like all the trauma but then she'll also discuss all of that so I think it's a it's an important follow there's some people you follow on Instagram you probably don't need to follow they're just <laughs> selling you clothes or so so thank you so much I don't want to let you go but I'm I know I'm I know, over I know. but it's been such a beautiful conversation and thank you so much I just know in. you're road is going to be so interesting because you are so full and like he would be so proud of you I hope so oh my god I really do yeah you just don't know you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and hope we all make it out relatively unscathed at the end thank you Shavate thank you so much I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me and if you did it would be wonderful if you could subscribe to the podcast 